You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hello and welcome to another installment of Infestation. This year we're once again talking about the Annecy Animation Film Festival uh, here with Macho. Um And I'm Mike. Um, we're... For those of you who don't know uh, what the Annecy Anime Animation Festival is, uh, I'm going to let Machiak explain it the most because he's gone there physically, where I have not. <laughs> yes, this, this year was my eighth time, which is like, wow, amazing. Uh, it's like considered the can of animation. It's like the biggest festival. Like, it's like if you are an animation fan or work in the industry, like just going there, it's like going to the Holy Land. You know what I'm saying? It's like just place where yeah, no, of everybody is like everybody who loves the genre in many ways you know and we have like all the biggest people from the industry like presenting projects and obviously there are movies but there are also like panels you know meetings like uh, sadly i couldn't be this year but they show the spider-verse short you know for example uh, this year uh, the one everybody's talking about and i actually hear like crazy stories like people were like standing in line for like six hours just to be there like they came like early in the morning you know uh, just just to save the line uh, uh, so so and obviously we have like other people from industry like there was Gendy Tartakowski this year there was Eric Goldberg uh, there were the creators of Finas and Ferb again this year and so, so a lot of crazy stuff. And, you know, it's also a great place if you really love animation, like not just to see like the commercial stuff, but like, you know, stuff from all over the world. You always see like very artistic shorts, you know, you can see like student films, you can see uh, like, you know, basically anything you love that's animation related, you know, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm always envious about that. Cause like you said, it is the holy, every time you've explained it, it is the holy land of animation yeah. and, like the way E3 used to be for gaming and the way mm. San Diego Comic-Con uh, or the New York one tends to be for a lot of different things. Yeah. The, um, so, yeah, I'm always super jealous, but I'm always very humbled that you've asked me to help with these every year. Yeah, I, I wish you finally can go, go with me there one year because it's like, wow. And But I'm at least happy I can record this with you because at least you, you love animation as much as I am. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, so that's one of the reasons I love talking about it. Um, but uh, you... you uh, mentioned the before we start recording that you had saw some really cool things that you wanted to talk about yeah i mean uh, aside for like the different uh, movies and work in progress we're gonna get into a moment one really uh, really cool shout out i have to make is that there, there we have like a presentation from jerry beck and it was something new we didn't have before is that he was uh, doing presentation on a like a very old short the type you cannot see anymore because they are like either lost, they were lost for years, or they were like just in very poor condition. And uh, Jerry Beck, who is like one of those biggest animation historians from America, 
USA. Like if you watch any, get like any DVD of Looney Tunes or the Disney cartoon, he's always there, you know, in the, like uh, making offs and like, you know, documentaries. Like he and Leonard Maltin probably do them. So it was cool not only to see him live, but he was like presenting like those very old shorts that were like four years not able to see. Like, for example, this like a Betty Boop short from Russia. I Sorry, uh, it was lost, but it was found in Russia last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, because that's the thing about lost media. As lost media, it's well, there's a reason why it's considered lost media because it's not where you normally would find something like that. Like, you, you can't go to WB and be like, "Hey, where do you have the specific cartoons?" Yeah. Like, well, no, because we didn't keep, we didn't hang on to it. It's an issue that plagues um, both gaming, television, movies, and very much animation. Yeah, but like with except because he was actually telling us how, like, with exception of Disney at the time, like in the 30s and the 40s, most studio didn't care about their old shorts. You know, I mean, the current shorts, like. Basically, after they showed them in cinema, like they were just throwing them out often, you know, like uh, theaters. Yeah, that happened a lot of, to a lot of things that were considered classics. Like, there's a reason why Doctor Who is missing yeah. like most of its first two seasons because they would they would they would air it and reuse the tape. Yeah, and and so like all that stuff is lost, or not all of it, but most of it's so, lost because. So, of for it. example, there is this again, like lost uh, lost Betty Boop short that was like sti- until like last year was considered lost and. It's like pretty amazing that like a fan from uh, somebody from Russia found it in like an archive and they contacted them, you know, and the fact they are doing research and like found, finding those old cartoons. So I am so grateful. Or there is this series called Tabby the Pub, which now it's unknown, but back in the day it has like at least like tw- 12 episodes, you know, and like they are all lost, but they are again like thanks to people like Jerry Beck, they found 10 of them. So it was just cool to see them on a big screen, you know, restore, because again, like those shorts were actually meant for a big screen, you know, and... Uh, a lot of people don't remember that. That's the funny thing. Yeah. About this and uh, so so it was like uh, definitely cool. And, you know, and by the way, like uh, I got, I'm going to mention this one thing about this is that a lot of those watching those old cartoons, not only it was great to see them, you know, for the animation, but they are still like really, really, really funny. There was this uh, from the show was one episode from this old series called the Puppet Tunes, which were was like uh, actually was produced by uh, Warner Brothers. They were doing like those not just Looney Tunes, but they were also doing like in thirties like puppets animation. And they show one of those stop motion cartoons, and it was actually I was surprised how much of the hum- humor was like really modern, you know, like in the sense that uh, like the spirit of it, like the t- timing, you know, the craziness. It just felt like, you know what, actually, a lot of those jokes, like, it's something that I would find, something like Gamble, you know, or uh, oh, okay. a regular show, like, a lot of, it was, like, very crazy humor. So, again, like, so, I, I just, honestly, I just hope if Annecy got, because Annecy, every year, they are doing, like, retrospectives for, like, old animation movies, and they are always doing, like, retrospect, like, this was the year of Mexico, so they're, like, showing, like, the old Mexican shorts, but I would love if they would just go all the way and just, like, oh, like, uh, retrospective like Fleischer cartoons, you know, or like old Disney cartoons. Yeah, I would love that. Like, I'm a big fan of old Fleischer, especially, well, mostly because of Superman, of yeah. course, but a lot of the stuff was so smoothly animated. All that's also a lot of people forget just how big the budgets on those yeah. were. Because people, people look at them, they're like, ah, oh, the budget was probably like a couple thousand. You know, some of those cost like upwards. Into yeah, and, uh, and you know, like people today, oh, those are old stuff. Well, yeah, but like, for example, if you look like stuff like Cuphead, you know, it's actually in a way it having like a resurfacing like the spirit of it. You know, like people actually want to see more of it, you know, in this type of animation. So... Uh, yeah, a lot of games are, are are getting into it. There was a, there's a new shooter that tries to look like an old kind of... Um, 
the what's the name of the the old Mickey Mouse one, Steamboat yeah. Willie. There's it's try, it tries to have that kind of look to it, and because yeah, it's a very it looks beautiful every time if you especially if you do it the right way. And so yeah, people have have started looking at those again, and I'm happy that animation has come a long way, but also can still be celebrated in its simplicity. Yeah, or or, or not so much simplicity because. Those things aren't actually that simple. They just look simple. Yeah. And, you know, and again, like we also seen, like, I'm not going to go into all of them, but we also seen some very artistic short. Like for me, if you're an animation fan, I like recommend everybody to at least when they have a chance to go to a festival like this, at least once to go like a screening of like a very artsy shorts when you just sit, you know, sitting for two hours and they just show you those really psychedelic stuff, you know, and like very, you know, meditative stuff. Like I find that really relaxing, you know. Because even if it's like pretentious, you don't have to focus on the story, you just focus on the quality of animation. Because on a festival like this, it's obviously like, you know, they're not going to show something that's like badly animated. It's obviously going to be like a, the, the best of the best, you know, from around the world. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I think is great about um, animation compared to watching like an indie film festival is that a lot of the times animation, you can you can appreciate a lot of animation because it's it takes so much more work to do animation than it is to do like a good shot. Like I'm not, I'm not disparaging, you know, directors or anything because good shots are also gorgeous as hell. And you can also appreciate those too, but my God, it's really hard to make some of those animations work. Yeah. And, and, but you know, like this year, I also went to like a presentation of like more crazy shorts because they, now they are finally, I mean, not finally, but for like last few years, they are also doing like those evening screenings where they are just so showing like those, you know, really, it's it's literally called WTF animation. You know, this segment where they just show you really crazy short for two hours. And if you want to have us want to see a sample of it, uh, go to YouTube, find that it's called uh, Uncle uh, Babysitting Uncle. It's like they show us co- it's like two episodes. They show us one called on a big screen called Babysitting Uncle Two. Just watch it. One of the most crazy things ever. It's like. You know, a little kid wants to, like a baby, he wants to watch uh, cartoons, but he, his uncle wants to watch, like, porn, you know, and they fight over the remote, and uncle finally swallows the remote, so the kids, like, jump into his mouth, and the uncle swallows the baby, and it's like, we have, like, those two stories that, like, inside the uncle's body, it's, uh, it's like this land of food, and the kid is trying to find the remote on this mountain of food, and on the outside, like, uncle is trying to get him out, you know, and the kid is fighting back. So it's like, you know, like this, it's like in, in this pseudo anime style. So, you know, it's just, again, like also stuff like this is celebrated there, you know, like this very modern, very crazy cartoon that's, uh, you know, what I'm saying. No, oh, yeah, because animation, um, it, it's always interesting to see any type of animation. And when they're also what the fuck, it's they're interesting because unlike a what the fuck, like Adult Swim short, that's just like a couple of guys doing some you know, wacky things like um, Tim and Eric. Th- those are like live action things where to make super fucking weird animation takes a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it makes it even weirder when you think about it. Yeah. But uh, let's get to like the main movies I seen this year. Uh, and- yes. Yeah, so the first one you wanted to talk about was the concierge. Yes. At uh, Hakyoko Department Store, I think is the full name of it. I think so, yeah. It's actually based on a manga, but if I had to guess, is I would, if I had to guess, you know, I would honestly guess it's based on like on a children's book. And uh, it's an anime movie, obviously, and it follows the story of Akino, uh, who works in a department store that only serves animals. 
which again, it's where this for me felt like a storybook because a lot of the movie is just her dealing with the customers and it's like a very Zootopia type of environment. I mean, she's a human, but like all the customers are animals and uh, they have, uh, and she's like a new there and she wants to make like the best impression and uh, because uh, uh, she she like really wants to shine and they have like this rule that, you know, all the customers has to be happy, you have to make them smile. So it's not just about like, you know, uh, helping them. Oh, well, where, where I can find this, where I can find this. It's more about just, uh, and, you know, the movie has a lot of fun with it because, for example, uh, they have like this rule that when she's talking to the customer, he has, she has to be on his eye level. So, for example, when she had talking to a mouse, you know, she obviously, because she's like this very tall, very uh, uh, young, young woman, you know, she actually, uh, you, you may not tell this from the trailer, but she really reminded me of Olive Oil from Popeye Cartoons, actually going back to the Fleischer stuff, because uh, they really make a lot of fun with the way she's bending, the way she's like, you know, doing stuff with her arms. And this is actually, this is why, from the animation point, it was actually impressive to me that you have a story, that you have all those great animal designs, but like the most fun character is the human. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they might have... Yeah, she has this... Yeah, when you mentioned the olive oil thing, she has this very she has almost the same kind of hairstyle. Oh, maybe maybe that's um, in that sort of way and everything. <laughs> just not as long. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? but but you know, also in the way they are just like playing with her, you know, body, the way it stretches, the way it's you know she's bending to them, and uh, but it's interesting because like with the exception of the owner of the store, like all the people working there are humans, and that is you know the store is just full of animals who came to shopping. And what's very clever about it is they never show the outside of the store at outside for like maybe like very brief flashbacks. And so the story is, for the most part, is actually very episodic uh, because uh, Akino, you know, like it's just like little uh, vignettes of like dealing with different customers. And again, like this is where it felt like a storybook that it's like, oh, and this is this animal and this is his or her habits, you know, in the store. And she has to deal with him and... For example, there's like a, I think it's an otter. I don't remember his species, but he's like, the situation is that he's looking to buy something for his, for his daughter. He didn't seen in many years. And she discovered that his daughter is also in the same department store. So she like trying to, you know, like running from him to her, like to have the gifts be perfect. Or there is like this little lion that comes that's like, uh, he he has like this uh, paper uh, that's of that's have a stench of a f- perfume that's like very rare, and he's ha- a girl he's in love with, and he's like, oh please, can you fi- find me this exact perfume because I want to impress this girl who I have a crush on, and I have to buy him, and she like you know, but she cannot smell it because she doesn't have the sense, you know the. Uh, you know, she cannot smell as good as an animal can, obviously. So she's like yeah. asking like different women in the stores and. And uh, so, so you know, it's like stories like that. And uh, like she has like a manager uh, above her, which is uh, this guy. He's basically her Jamison because he's like always yelling at her like, oh, go back to work, you know, oh, don't fail me, you know. Uh, and I just, just love the way this guy is animated, just his mouth. He's like always screaming, but it almost felt like, oh, by the way, because I watch this in Japanese with subtitles. Uh, but he, honestly, he just felt like this very exaggerated, like, he was just created to have like those moments like, oh, a bear driving a car. How can it be? You know, like those, you know, over the top anime, like poses and screamings. And what's funny about this character, he's like always popping up in like most strange places. Like sometimes he will pop up from like a, 
pot of soup, you know, and sometimes from like behind the wall, like he's behind the paintings, you know, he's just like everywhere, this manager looking over her. Yeah, it's like the uh, not, it's kind of like the chief from Inspector yes. Roger, but more spy. Yeah, only only he's like angry at her on the time, but and, and like even when she succeeds in something, he's not like well, she was lucky, and he, he more, he, <laughs> but more like he's more like what she did? How can it be? No, that's impossible. No, no, you know, like he's <laughs> and uh, what keeps happening is that. Uh, because I get like at least for like a I don't know it's like an hour and a half you know but like for a good hour there are just like those little stories happening in this store and there is this uh, penguin I mean she's calling him a penguin but uh, uh, he he's not uh, he's not a penguin he's a different species but I just don't remember it but maybe that's good because it would be a spoiler what he is. Uh, yeah, there's um because there's a lot of stuff going on with the specific yes. animals. As it progresses, because a lot of the, and the other thing I really like about it, because I've seen some of it, is that um at least the clips mm-hmm. that you've, I've I found online was that every animal is they're they're like it, it reminds me of the way Zootopia is where everybody's like clearly was wearing an outfit, yeah. they have hats, they have clothes, they have short pants, that kind of thing. Um, so it's not it's not like they just walk in like the like freeway yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Like it's it's closer to the way yeah the, like I said in Zootopia because they're still animals yes. so they still have tails and everything it's not it's not like Bojack Horseman where everybody's like where the dogs like a person yeah kind of so thing. she keeps running into this character she calling a penguin and he's always like very relaxed and he's always just like oh he's like, like she always pumps into him he falls on the ground and he's always just like no no this is okay just please can you push me so I can uh, you know slide somewhere else okay okay and later we and it's not like a big spoiler because I think it's like. Uh, 15 minutes into the movie we discovered that he's actually the owner of the shop like he's actually controlling it and but he's like very philosophical and we keep just swing like because and like and at the end of every vignette basically vignette or adventure she has in this store we have a scene between uh, him and that manager you know who's yelling all the time and you know it's always like this pseudo I mean I want to say pseudo but like a very philosophical dialogue between them where they like oh you know she she won this time, but you know she won't make it because she's not strong enough. And then he will go. the The owner, the bird, goes. Ah, but you know, think about the evolution. Is it really belongs to you know the strongest or the smartest? Think about that. You know, and they have like those little exchanges between them. So, uh, uh, so it's like okay, where well, this is all going? But and this movie actually is building up to something, and it's actually to a point, and it starts again to like the last third where all the stories come together. But, you know, for the most part, it's just delightful. You know, it's just great animation, just great to seeing those characters. It's very funny. You know, they have a lot of fun. There is like a seal that's just the way she's animated. You know, every, every time she was on a screen, people were just laughing, just the way she was moving, because they really went out of their way, you know, to make it, you know, move like a seal. And, you know, like people often like point out that, you know, Anime sometimes uses shortcuts that Western animation doesn't, but at the same time, no, this actually like a very complex animation to have all this, you know, looks as good as it is because they really studied the animal movement for this to, to make it as good. Uh, and I like the seal because she's like a Karen. Like all the customers in this shop are like really nice, but she's like the only character that's actually bitchy, you know? So. Uh, okay. So would you recommend the film overall? Yeah. Uh, I, I recommend, no, for me, it was like the most, one of the lightful things I've seen this year at that festival. It's really good. It's really fun. It has like this uh, uh, storybook spirit. I think that's really great. And uh, just one last thing I want to mention about it is that the best part of the movie are the peacocks because there is like a 
throughout the story, they're all just, it's like a running joke, but there's like just those two peacocks lovers who appears and they're always flirting with each other, but every time uh, where they are flirting, the male peacocks, you know, he opens his tail, so it's shining, and every time our main character, she just runs to him, no, please, no mating ritual, he's disturbing the customers, but... Uh, and what's also is like part of the charm of these movies is always trying to be super nice to the customers, you know, like even with that current character, like she puts her in her place, but she's doing the being nice, you know. So, uh, so it's always like a just like the the funniest stuff was just her trying to convince the peacock to shot his tail, but he's like very romantic and he always says stuff like, "Oh, but it's love. How love can choose, you know, where it stops, you know." And uh, so. Uh, and just the way the uh, something about the eyes because it's uh, like peacocks, but they have like those really over the top beautiful eyes, you know, like very sparkly, very uh, kawaii, you know. So uh, yeah, it's like a delightful. Uh, like if you if you have chance to see it, it's great. And I and it's actually from a first time director, from what I understand. So that's I think it's impressive. I mean, he worked. Okay, well, I mean, he. That's good. So we need to we need to yeah. keep going. I mean, I just want to say, he, just... I, I know he works on various different things, but like on TV shows and he was like a second unit director and some stuff, but it's like his first time as the main director. So that's, yeah. Hey, no worries. Yeah. Um, so the next movie that you wanted to bring up was uh, Skydance's newest animation one, which is going to be uh, Spellbound. Yes, Spellbound. So I went to work in progress for this, uh, which is like for those who don't know, uh, they are. This is something about great about the festival. They are making those work in progress presentation where sometimes they will just, you know, they talk about the making of the movie they are making right now. They will show some clips, you know, uh, sometimes in animatic form. Sometimes they will show some parts of the movie in like storyboard form and sometimes in complete, completed animation. And Spellbound is the newest from Skydance, uh, which is... Uh, you know, the, the same studio that last year made the movie Luck, which I personally really enjoyed. Yes, and uh, all the, so far they have um, a, a deal with Apple Plus, yes, right? Yes, yes. Apple TV, But sorry. it's interesting because, uh, you know, at the Work for Progress from this, they keep mentioning that it will be, because they keep mentioning, like, you know, when you're going to buy tickets to see it, so I, I believe it's uh, it will be in theaters, at least we'll have, like, a, maybe, like, a limited release, but I honestly think this is like a maybe worthy of seeing on a big screen uh, because it's a musical. And what's interesting is that it's a musical by Alan Macon, who obviously, you, if you know the name, uh, if I'm correct, he made the songs for Beauty and the Beast. Uh, correct? Yeah, he's one of their, their biggest, uh, one of Disney's greatest um, song people, out <laughs> of uh, composers, I yeah. guess. It's a good way of putting he's He's, like you said, he was part of some of the uh the biggest little mermaid yeah aladdin uh oh sorry i i yeah, he, I, I don't think he did that. he was on the beauty and the beast or can i no uh, sorry just have to check that's okay okay we're gonna edit this part out but yeah i, I should have had that up <laughs> yeah but i just gonna 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 check just this one thing and but don't worry i gonna put the time code so no he did it it says he did Mm-hmm. Did the scores at least? Uh, okay. Wait, wait. I just gonna just give me one second. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so let's start over from this moment. 
Yeah, Alan Macken, he obviously did uh, scores for uh, Little Mermaid, uh, uh, Aladdin, Hercules, Pocahontas, like all the like the best like Disney musicals. So this is like extra interesting because it's like his his non Disney musical. Uh, but yeah, because he's not known for a lot of un- non Disney stuff. Uh, he's done a few that that some people might have remembered, but they're mostly stage ones. Which is uh, he did the Little Shop of Horrors yeah. in 1982. Uh, but he's mostly known for like the stuff you mentioned, as well as the the last stuff he did, which was uh, Tangled and Disenchanted for them, which was not that long ago, especially Disenchanted. And uh, during the work in progress session, they basically show us. Uh, you know, a lot of clips, they show us the story, they show us some of the clips, and uh, aside from the story, they show us some of the songs, at least like four songs or three. And That's quite a few to show for a working one. Yeah, uh, of course, they were all like in storyboard, uh, story, uh, not storyboard, like animatic forms. Like one was, I think it was like uh, almost an animation. It was like the I Want song for the main character. Uh, but uh, oh, by the way, this is also directed uh, by Vicky J- J- uh, Jenson, uh, Jenson, yeah, which also uh, directed Shrek. You know, a little, a little not well-known movie called Shrek. You know, so no one's out. No one's yeah, ever heard yeah, of Shrek. It's, it's like a very. It's not love or life. Yeah, it's it's like very indie, and also, but also, you know, she also did Shark Tale. You know, so. And uh, this movie actually has like a very impressive cast because the main character, uh, Princess Elian, she's uh, played by, uh, how do you uh, pronounce the last name? Rachel Zegler? Zegler. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Zegler, I think. Yeah, uh, who... Rachel Zegler. She was, um, she's mostly known at the moment for the remake of um... West Side Story. West Side yes. Story. And uh, also Nicole Kidman, also. Uh, Javier Berdem, Berdem. Yeah, Javier Berdem. Oh, he's um Javier Berdem is yeah. he's one of the bad guys. Or he's the bad guy of the Skyfall. Uh, but he's but he's known for a lot more than that. He's the bad guy, one of the latest pirates of the Caribbean as well. But he's he's one of those guys that you see and you're like, I know who. Yeah, that Nathan is. Lane. But also, you know, when they were talking about like the crew behind this movie, it was also impressive because aside for again like Alan Macon, uh, like one of the people on the script, like he did a lot of Disney stuff, and there is also. Uh, like the actual talk, how it's storyboarded by the guy who did storyboards for BR Guest in Beauty and the Beast. So a lot of, okay. a lot of, uh, but let's go to the story. Uh, so the main character, uh, Princess Alian, uh, uh, she's living in this kingdom that's, uh, you know, like a typical fantasy kingdom, uh, except like her parents were turned into monsters. And usually in a movie like this, you know, it's something that happened, you know, like I'm brave, you know, it happens in a third act that, oh, you know, my mother was turned into a bear or something like that. And here the actual story starts with her parents already being the monsters. Uh, so they are turned into those creatures that are, I will, I will give the movie a lot of credit. I cannot describe them because they're like this mix of different species at the same time. It's, you know, you cannot point like, oh, it looks like a frog, you know, or it looks like a, you know, a dog, it's actually this, uh, those very creative, cre- yeah. they have like, because they have like elements, like for example, uh, the mother uh, monster, she can use her tongue like, uh, like a frog, you know, for example. Uh, but they are all, uh, you know, turn into monsters and they are, you know, basically act like animals. And the entire kingdom is, I mean, the kingdom, like the stuff in the castle, you know, they are keeping this a secret. And she's like basically ruling the kingdom herself. But she's also the only one who can, you know, already figure out how to talk with the monsters. You know, she knows what they like, you know, and know how to uh, keep them in check. 
And at the same time, as she's ruling this kingdom, uh, she uh, uh, she's trying to figure out how to get them back. And so she like uh, get a message from those magical oracles who live in a nearby woods. Uh, uh, that uh, you know they may have solution, but uh, from what if accidentally the, they they get eaten by the mother and spit it out. So you know they go back to the woods and they live like this magical key thingy. And uh, what happens is that the parents become discovered. You know the secret is out, and this general from the, who is obviously like worrying about like oh we can't have those monsters running around. He's trying to hunt down the monsters, and so it's you know it's up to her you know to find the cure for the parents you know she has to uh, so is it implied that they don't know that the parents are the monsters or that they're just monsters they're, they they just think they're just monsters yeah i think they are aren't aware that they are the king and the, the queen you know they used to be they just assume they okay. are monsters and she's trying to protect them and uh, accidentally because she has like this uh, magical key she got from the oracles that uh, can t- t- change things into different things so uh, for ex- uh, so, for example, she has like this blue square-like animal. Again, they are all like fictional animals, but and there is like this advisor who is like this, you know, grumpy, no nonsense guy who is always trying to, you know, keep everything uh, in order. She accidentally switched their minds, so now the, you know, the uh, stuffy guy is in this uh, square-like creature, and like the square is like running in the body of this old guy, and so she has to go on a quest and find like this. Uh, lake of light, as it's called, to where uh, it can grant her a wish to turn back her parents. And you know, and on the way, she has some adventures. There is like a late lake made of sand, uh, which uh, sounds cool until you get into a uh, storm. Obviously, so that's 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 not. And she got she's run into other square-like creatures, and because the advisor is in the body of this creature, he you know, has to communicate with them and uh, they try to have him like eat the, all this gross food and he actually starts loving it and gets into a song about it. And But like the most interesting aspect to me is that thanks to this magical device, she actually, she's trying to have the parents remember who they are and start talking. Uh, but what happens is that they can talk, but they don't remember who who, who she is. They just call her the cake girl. And uh, because they just, that's all on, as the monster, that's all they know about her is that, oh, she brings them cake, which is actually really funny because, you know, it's the voice of Nicole Kidman, you know, and, and, but they are acting basically like the dog from Up, you know, they are just. I think that's the funniest thing about it. There's these A-listers and they're just saying things like squirrel. Basically. Yeah. I mean, they are like, yeah, they're calling her cake girl and she's trying to have them remember. And this is like implied that like, like, they like, emotionally remember her but they just don't have memory of her and you know she goes on an adventure with them so we're gonna see how it goes uh they also mentioned there will be like a plot thread that she herself starts turning into a monster at some point so this also like the sticking clock that we have to get there because i'm gonna then turn into monster myself and what i love about this a lot because the movie in general is like really cool really fun there were like, like some funny sequence i remember from it where uh, at one point, a messenger, you know, brings, you know, a b- pigeon came, you know, with a message from the oracles, but because the pigeon eats those magical berries, he turned into stone, and but he's still holding the message. So the Ella, you know, she's trying to pull out the message from his beak and she accidentally rips his head off of the pigeon and she like give it back to the messenger like, oh, I'm sorry. And the messenger just goes, he was like a son to me and leaves, you know, it's it's like little... 
Uh, little... I love little shit like that. Those, those just the silly jokes are what always yeah, make me but... love animation because you can only do something like that. Yeah, and they're, but also like very dark, you know. But for me, the best part is the songs. So that's all the songs. Again, they show us were like really fun and catchy. You know, the this I mentioned the song about the gross food that was fun. There was her I want song, but honestly, for me, the best song was the first one where she just sings about her parents bring up monsters. And it was it, it was something like the song, the first song from the Encanto, you know, like just this, you know, summary of who are those characters and you know what the situation is. But you know, it was like very energetic, very catchy, you know. So, uh, yeah. so I think it will be a fun movie. I cannot wait to see it just for the, to hear the songs again. So I cannot wait. And again, it's I personally like Luck. So fingers crossed, this will be as good as better. So, yeah. I'm I'm very excited to see how this one plays out. Um, so far, it's only has a release date of next year. Um, so guys, keep an eye out for that. Uh, it's going to be on Apple TV Plus. Mm. Right. Great. And then, uh, so the next one that we wanted to talk about um, was this is a very strange one, which is a chicken for Linda. Yes. Yeah, this is a French animated movie. Uh, the director previously of it made the movie. I mentioned this in one of the older reviews, which is Girl with No Hands. I wrote a review for that for one of us like years ago, which is interesting because it has a lot of similar artistic uh, methods, but where the girl with no hands was like a very serious, uh, very pathos driven movie. It's on a fairy tale. This is actually straight up comedy, but it's done in this. Uh, it's one of those movies. I, first, I have to talk about the art style just so you get it. It's like made like people are made with this distinct distinct style that are basically like those uh, blots of color with lines yeah everybody's like a very single single color for the most part yeah it's very like the the little girl is like a solid yellow with some shading to show you know the differences of where her body is kind of thing and it's one of also it's also have like this artistic choice that you know when you have a close up the face is like very full of details but the further the camera go you have less and less details like the less lines you know on the characters and so, uh, which actually I'm going to get into a moment why it was a clever choice. So the story follows a, a, a girl named Linda whose father passed away a long time ago. And she's living with her mother. Her mother has like a problem, problems, you know, having care, take care of this tomboyish girl, but also like personal life. And also, you know, she, she's not a good cook, you know, she's not good at like stuff like fixing the sink. And uh, at one point, because there is a protest going on in France, and uh, the Linda, she has like a, a ring she got from her father, you know, because when her father's like, life, he like actually gave her her mother wedding link, you know, was a joke, like, oh, he's for you, you know. And she's like very attached to it. She always wearing it. And the mother wants to have the ring uh, because she's going out and she cannot find the ring. And she just assumed that Linda, you know, gave it away to her friend. And she's like, oh, and she's like very frustrated. And, oh, and she's Linda, no, it's not true. And she's like, oh, you are lying to me. And this is the one moment where the movie gets a, a little bit, I don't want to say dark, but just like, oh, okay, this is going into a heavy direction because they get... It gets uncomfortable yeah, is the best way. Yeah, <laughs> they get into an argument and the mother slaps her, which is like, oh, and uh, it's like, it was like a... And later in the movie, we, I mean, later, like 10, it's like the first 10 minutes, but um, the mother discovers that uh, the cat actually just swallows the ring because he pukes it out. And she's like, okay, I made this horrible mistake. I mistreated my daughter, you know, and... Uh, and so she goes to the daughter and she's like, okay, uh, I, I want to make up this for you. I'm going to do whatever you wish. Please tell it. And she's like, oh, I want to, 
uh, uh, eats chicken, chicken with peppers, which is like a special dish her father used to make. And the mother at first, you know, because she's like, obviously don't want to do it because it's remind her of her late husband, but she's like, okay, fine, I'm gonna do it for you. And it, it's, uh, it's like a, uh, played as like a, this big emotional thing. But the rest of the movie is actually straight up comedy. Uh, because the entire story is that, okay, the mother wants to get a chicken uh, to cook it, but it's a strike, so all the shops in France are closed down, so she has a trouble getting a chicken, they finally, you know, uh, but she's like very desperate, no, 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 I have to do it, I have to do it for my daughter, so she go to a farm, and the kid, like, uh, at the farm, I mean, it's like a teenage guy, he's like, clearly a stoner, he's like, okay, my parents went, oh, no, 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 sorry, I cannot sell you any chickens today, and she basically go and steals a chicken. And just from that point, she's just getting more crazy and crazy where they are basically looking for a way just to kill this chicken, which uh, I'm going to say it. I was thinking in many other movies, it would be a plot point where at some point, like the girl really loves the chicken and it becomes her friend or something. And here they just treating a chicken, you know, as this mindless animal. It's And this is where the art, I think, really works because they, what I noticed, they never have a close up of the chicken. It's always like just this yellow blood, you know, so this way, it's just way not to get attached to it, obviously, for the story purposes. I appreciate that a lot because, yeah, there's so many movies where they're just like, and then the bird was their best friend, and then they were going on wacky adventures. Yeah. It's like, no, no it's, I'm hungry. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and which, by the way, I'm hungry. It's like a big theme in this movie, which is just like, uh, just getting more crazy. Like at the one point, like a po- policeman tried to arrest them and... And uh, the mother spends half of the movie being handcuffed because the policeman is like, he's like this not very bright guy, but he's like, yeah, I have to arrest you for stealing this chicken and other, you know, mayhem you cause. But at the same time, he's like, okay, you are doing this for your daughter. It's important. Okay, I'm going to help you find somebody to kill this chicken and cook it, but you still have to be handcuffed. So it's just like getting more crazy and silly. And it's Actually, it is a really crazy comedy, and I appreciate it because it's uh, just, you know, just going from one wacky scenario to another. And at one point, like she, again, like the, she's like uh, uh, running with the law, the mother, like police is looking for her everywhere. And uh, her sister, uh, who is like very t- tired of her, like she's this yoga instructor, she just always gets trouble from her sister's uh, sister. And she's, uh, but the aunt of the Linda, obviously, and she's trying to find them. And uh, yeah, so as a comedy, it really works artistically. It looks beautiful. If I had to like point out like two things that uh, were a little bit, it's like a cultural thing maybe, but f- at least for after watching, especially after watching the trailer for it, which is more like a pilot. Uh, the trailer is really weird because you were telling me before we yeah. started recording that half of the shit doesn't happen. Yeah, because they did uh, like not even the half, like basically they put up this uh, short. It's meant to be like a trailer for it, but. And none of that is in the movie. It's just like, and because of it, I, because they are keep talking about like, oh, the police is coming to us. And, uh, you know, I just assume it's. They call the police a pig, according to the English subtitles. But you told me it was. Yeah, because uh, in French, actually, the insult for a policeman is a cow. So. Uh, so in weird. Polish it's dog so you know uh, so every country yeah because the the original animation seems to like really put a lot of emphasis on the strike point. Yeah. and the thing with the cop showing up is also 
kind of emphasize that way as yeah well. but the strike isn't really like uh i mean it's in the story but it's more in the background but because again because of this pa- it seems it's more like something that happens to keep her from being able to get yeah. the chicken easily or, or the food easily. yeah but it's almost almost felt like it has like this anti-strike message in the sense that look all these things happening to people who are striking because they cannot get food and they're all pissed off about it because there is also a thing that uh, all uh, Linda's friends, like those gr- group of girls, which are also very fun in the uh, in the movie, they're like uh, also like frustrated that they want to also cook this chicken, but they cannot get food anywhere. So, <laughs> and one of their, their her neighbors, she's like having all this food storage in her in her uh, apartment just because of the strike. So it almost feels like this weird critique of it. But uh, but what I'm getting at is that again, like when I was watching it, I was just assuming for a long time is a period piece. Just because they are making big empathies on this strike and they have like this thing with, I don't think they really explain, but, uh, in much detail, it's like, oh, we are all wearing yellow hats on the strike. Like one of the little girls is talking about it, but, and even like the teacher is in the school. She's like, oh, tomorrow is the strike. So remember, you don't have to come. So I was just thinking, is this gonna, because again, I previously saw French movies, uh, animated movies about a strike, which is like a big deal, you know. Uh, so I was thinking it's like a period piece, but later it's like, no, they are play, playing with euros. They have like cell phones. So clearly it's like a modern story. So that was a little bit weird. So maybe there's like a, some cultural thing I just not getting while watching it. Yeah, they, that, there's a lot of strikes that happen in that area. And so that might be part of it because it's just such a cultural yeah. thing for them that they strike way more than I think most countries and, do, which is not a bad thing. No, per se. No. It's just that I think it's so much more ingrained with them than it is. I just, I just, or in Poland. It's it just, it's just, if I had to guess, I would say it's like a, has some like satirical subtext, you know, I didn't get about the strikes uh, in this story, but the also another thing is that um, it's not like a big problem with this movie, but it just, it's like a nitpick now, but for me, it's like a, because the movie is a musical basically because it has like three musical numbers. So I guess that qualifies it as a musical. And uh, it's, no, it's comparing to something like a Disney movie where, you know, whenever they sing a song, it's always to push a story or, you know, express something that's like very important to the plot. Here, the songs just felt to me very random. Like, okay, one, if the first one is song by the mother, uh, like, okay, I guess that it's like, you know, showing her emotions or whatever. But then the sister uh, of the mother gets a song and it's just about the song, how much she likes to eat, where she's angry. And it just felt like this almost random psychedelic number. Like it's almost felt like, uh, oh, okay. Like it's, you know, it's almost like the pink elephant in the Dumbo. It has nothing to do with anything really. I mean, I mean, yeah. with, the, with the pink elephant, you can argue it's at least like, you know, explaining some st- stuff like, but here it's just like uh, very, very random. And it's almost felt like, uh, if I had to guess, it's for, okay, we have an animated movie, we have to justify it being animated, because a lot of this stuff you can pretty much do it in live action. So, uh, as a live action comedy, uh, a, a lot of in the story screams for me live action comedy, but it still look, looks great in animation, it's just that the song almost felt like I just excuse, okay, let's show off some of this art style. So, I, I, I thought, you know what, like, at least people were, like, laughing at the song, so I guess that's good, but I personally, I was just like, okay, this is not, you know, this is just, like, slowing everything, let's get back to the mother, you know, and the Linda, you know, this is, but the final song I really liked, it's, but it's on the very end, and so I, I like the final song, like, both visually as a musical number and, uh, 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 and the song itself, but then the, with the final song, my only issue is that, uh, it's very French, French, and when I say that, I mean it in the way that it's very, 
like it's uh, t- trying to add the meaning to the story. That's I don't think it's it's. I don't want to, it's not like pretentious, but it's like just, okay, you'd had like a simple message in this story and now you are like, like spending entire song, song just explaining the message and like, but in a way that's like very, like imagine if at the end of the Aladdin movie, you know, that you'd had a song that's like, oh, isn't life sometimes like having a magical lamp and having three wishes? Isn't life like that? But I'm saying it's this, this very French, like this. Oh, that's one of those. Yeah, it's very, exi- <laughs> like it's just go existential for no reason in the lyrics, which again, it wasn't like a big deal. It just for me, it was like, yeah, you know, it wasn't either, but like, it's like a very small nitpick. It's like 1% of like a very good movie, you know? So it didn't bother me. Okay. Plus, you know, at the... Okay, well... Overall, you would say it's 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 a one that you can. Yeah, very so much. It's one. That's good. It's one of those movies. I just wish you know it's was more of it like this because it's like doing something different, you know, and it's it's very has a very clever art style. Plus, you know, I'm actually uh, very positively surprised that again the director who did the previously Girl with No Head was like a very serious movie decided in the same style to do a straight up comedy. You know, so that's good. That's good. Well, so this next one we're just going to touch upon because uh, there's already a uh, a review for it on oneofus.net that you guys can listen to right now. Uh, it's called The uh, Lonely Castle in the Mirror, yeah. which you got to see before they did. Actually. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> uh, it was uh, at the festival. And, you know, like they're going to get, yeah, if you want to get more into details, listen to that review. Basically, I agree a lot with it because it's like uh, a little, uh, like a girl who has problems in school. She was bullied and has all those traumatic events. Uh, she, like, uh, through a magic of a mirror in her room, she gets transported into this land where it's like a castle in the middle of a sea and there's like a girl in a wolf mask and she summons like six other children and she's like, okay, you can come here every day for a year and you have to find this magical key and if you're going to find it, you can gonna grant you one wish. Uh, a lot of those movies I want to talk today have one wish theme, so that's interesting. But and uh, yeah, and if you 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 after and uh, the after the wish is granted, you're gonna gonna forget what happened. But it's like a safe space where you just come and forget about your troubles. Uh, and you only this is actually something that's like an important plot point that I didn't mention is that yeah, you can only you came here in specific hours because if you don't, a wolf will show up and will eat you. You know and. It's, I, I like this movie. It's very relaxing. You know, it's just those, I actually compare it to something like Breakfast Club in the sense that it's just characters talking about their problems, you know, and just about what, you know, yeah. what make them who they like are. Kids, yeah, kids getting along with their, because of their differences. Yeah. And, but in a way, here they are all like very similar because they are all like very, I would say, uh, introverted, you know. And so, so, uh, uh, and again, like in those review, they, they made a lot of good points, but one thing I just gonna mention, a, I, I think that one, just one problem with this movie is that a lot of things they, uh, later are like big reveals. I think they are not very well foreshadowed sometimes, or if they are, it's just something I really missed, missed, you know, like, wow, okay, like, the, because they're gonna make a big deal out of something, and then it's like, really, but, where this came from. Uh, oh, especially there is like a reference to a very obscure fairy tale. And it's like actually European fairy tale. And I know it. It's like three little, a little bit like three little peaks, but here they just assume everybody knows it. But I will put it like this. If it's a fairy tale that didn't ever bother to reference in a Shrek movie, you know, I don't think it's, it's, it exists. You know what I'm saying? Like as something people just. No, yeah. That, uh, a lot of fairy tales that aren't 
Like, yeah, if it's not in the Shrek movie or it's not in a Disney movie or something, most people don't. Yeah, know. it's like very, very obscure. But again, I, I, or Bugs Bunny made fun yeah, of it at some point. Yeah, so so I I just was like surprised why you are making this into a big point, big plot point. I just assume everybody remembers this fairy tale by heart, and uh, and uh, yeah, so this this is. Uh, and you know, it's a movie that's like very slow. It doesn't have like much action uh, until like the last, I would say, 10 minutes. But uh, in the middle, there is like one very intense scene where one of the girls is telling her backstory and without going into like uh, details, it basically involves abuse from an older person uh, to her. And it's one of those scenes was like, you can hear a needle drop as you were watching it because just the way it's staged, the way it's going on, I was actually shocked, like, wow, because up to a single point, I think it was like a very fa- family-friendly movie. And this is a point where it's just like, just go like very, wow, this is, and especially it's scary because the adult person that is doing the abuse, like his face starts disappearing, you know, it's becoming like very blurry. It's like a very scary visual. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, but it, I think it's like a strong movie. I just understand it's not for everybody. And, and uh, one last thing I just mentioned about it. I just don't think it's needed to have all the seven characters because there is especially one character, like they all have like interesting development and backstories, but there is one character, like one boy. And the only thing that happens is like, oh, he, at one point he came to this castle and he's like, oh, I, uh, my heart is now blonde, you know, it used to be black, but and maybe it's like a cultural thing. I don't know, but it, it's like, oh, oh, that's. I guess it's, it's a thing, but, you know, but they never do anything interesting with him aside for that. So, like, if that's the most interesting thing about him, I just don't think he's a needed character in this movie, you know? No, I get it. But, yeah, if you guys want to hear more about the movie itself and some some of the deeper things, yeah. please go and listen to that review. Um, since we're just going to touch upon that one, we're going to go into this other one that I know you desperately want to yes. talk about. Uh, which is Once Upon the Studio. Yes, and Wish. So, I was pleasantly surprised because we went for presentation for the movie Wish. Uh, which is the new Disney movie. Obviously, they show us work in progress version. But what surprised me is that before of it, they show us the Once Upon a Studio, uh, which is the new Disney show that will be shown before Wish. And it's uh, actually one... Like, if you... A person who's not interested in seeing Wish, go for Once Upon a Studio. If you're a Disney fan, you will just uh, have your mind blown because this short was made for the 100th anniversary of the studio. And by the way, the director uh, claimed that it wasn't like, oh, the studio in, wanted this movie to be made as much they started doing them on, the, on their own for the first few months before they actually showed it to executives. You know, so it was like a gamble, this movie will gonna get made. But the story is that, yeah. you know, the Disney studio is it's like a 10 minute short, but it's uh, it felt like it's at least twice as long. There is so much detail in it, but uh, it started all the Disney animators are going out for the night from the Disney studio. And apparently Disney studio has no security because it's just like all the animation leaves and it's empty. And, uh, and the last, they don't, they don't hire security. No, why? No, they don't why? Do that. Yeah, exactly. And the last animator just go, wow, this place has such a rich history. If only those walls can talk. And uh, Mickey Mouse jumps one uh, from one of the paintings on the wall. And it's very impressive because like, was like, oh, wow, he's actually in hand-drawn animation and he's in the, because he's taken from this specific short called Mickey's Birthday Party. And like, wow, they actually replicated the style very, very closely. Like, this is impressive. And then like Mickey calls Tinkerbell and he's like, oh, you know, we, we are going to have this group photo with all the characters, you know, call everybody. And every single character from every single Disney movie comes out from a painting. And the rest of the short is just like, 
every reference you can think of with every character from every single short. Like, you can name me a short, he's there, he's have a moment, this character, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just... Yeah, it's because there's it's it's a hundred years worth of animation. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's they've animated more, and they've kept on if they've kept so many of them, that's easier to have something. Yeah, like and Eric Goldberg was there on the presentation, and you know they ask him, so Eric, with ma- what method you animated the characters? And he's like, oh, I use this an innovative method. It's called oh pen and paper. Like it's actually hand draw animation for the all the older characters. And they really, you know, put attachment to details. So, you know, characters like Robin Hood, you know, will look like from their old shorts. Uh, but it's all brand new animation. They swear on the presentation there is zero of like reused footage. And there is something like really cool to just see, like, for example, a moment where it's like Princess Tiana from Princess and the Frog. And she's talking with Pinocchio, you know, and his art style, like shading on him looks exactly like, you know, from that, that old movie which had like those, you know, old paints, you know, so it's a little bit different. But in the same shot, you know, Judy Hopps from Zootopia is there, you know? So, uh, so uh, you know what I'm saying? It's like just seeing all the animation style. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what I think is most impressive about it, because there's a lot of things where they'll do like, well, all these characters are here, but they're in their own specific animation yeah. style. Like that Simpson short, that was not very good. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also, uh, uh, you know, it's like that show House of Mouse, you know, but uh, if it actually has like a budget of, a, you know, a movie where everybody and none of them really felt like uh, cheap, you know, in the sense that, oh, they clearly change a little bit style for this character to make it more simple. No, they actually went the extra way, like the Donald Duck. He's done in the style of the three caballeros, you know. Which I'm very Yeah, happy. and uh, by the way, it only in the background, but yeah, I spot Panchito and Jose, so yay. Uh, I keep almost buying these figures. Of yeah. Them. I'm, I'm going to do it when it They are also my, like, my favorite. So, But again, like if you have a favorite character, I, I know a lot of people online when they heard that, oh, the Chicken Little will be in this short, you know, they got excited. So, you know, he's somewhere there. People like chicken. Yeah, I mean, some of them, I mean, I probably... There's dozens of them. Yeah. uh, But, you know, it's also great to see, like, Cusco, you know, from Emperor's New Group for a moment. Probably the biggest one people were, like, impressed they got was Genie from Aladdin because they actually, the Williams family, allowed them to use, like, the old recordings of him to have him have a scene, so... He must have had so many old recordings, though, because he he improved a lot. Yeah, and he has, like, a scene with Olaf from Frozen, uh, so so that's neat, you know. They 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 had like, but you know, it's just like little jokes. Like at one point, you know, the Scratch McDucks appear, and he's from like the Mickey Christmas Carol, and just to have like Robin Hood run, uh, you know, take away the stacks of money with Little John from him and run away, you know. It's it's just like little jokes like this, or there's like a Cinderella, you know, and she's walking down the stairs with her prince, and he's like lost his shoe, so they're going, you know, like little charming stuff. But I like what the stuff is that, for example, the newer characters like Moana and, you know, characters from Zootopia, like their humor style is closer to modern humor, but they are keeping, you know, the older characters like this in this charming style. So just to see, you know, it's like a small joke, but when you have all the characters jumping from the paintings and then you just see like Winnie the Pooh being stuck in it and all the animals are pulling him, like in the movie, you know, it's it's little little stuff like this. Yeah. So it's one of those things that's just worth seeing on the big screen just to go, oh my gosh, it's Pete's Dragon. Oh my gosh, you know, it's this character. And and just the fact that when they went extra mile, that at one point uh, the song fits the birds place in the background uh, from Mary Poppins, and they actually got the last of the living Sherman brothers to play it on the piano for them for the movie so they can use the recording of it. It's such like a love letter to everything that's, you know, great about Disney, you know. 
Yeah, Disney is such a has such a, hor- a huge history, and I a love letter to that sort of thing is so great. And it's supposed to and it's supposed to play before Wish, yeah, right? Which is interesting because, uh, by the way, it's not like a spoiler because the internet already talked about it. Uh, Asha from the new movie actually appears in it. So that's that's actually the princess from the new movie, you know, actually appears in this show that's going to play before Wish. She has like a. It's a great way of, you know, like getting people into that. Uh, yeah, I, but it is weird that it's before I mean, the movie. But itself. you know what? It's know. very symbolic because she's like standing next to Snow White, and like Snow White puts her hand on her arm. So it's like you know, uh, like the newest movie and the oldest movie, you know, are next to each other. So that's that. I think that's neat. That is very and some people already are like, oh, I mentioned too, I have some friends, they're like, uh, you know, they're like uh, female f- uh, girl. I mean, they are girls who are like very big fans of like the Disney princess stuff, you know. So they were like, uh, oh, this is so symbolic because uh, she's accepted as a new Disney princess already, you know. Uh, so, okay, I guess that makes sense, you know. <laughs> It does make sense, and it's a good it's a good way of going into like what's going on with her stuff. And yeah, which uh, we can get. Uh, oh, the last one thing they said that over forty actors return to do voices to this short, and I think that's uh, really impressive because uh, some of them only have like a one line, you know, like Maui only has one line, you know, and characters like that. So I think that's impressive that over forty actors just return to rec- you know one line. And uh, there was only only one moment, I think, of when I noticed that the footage was reused because they had, like, the fairies from Sleeping Beauty and you can tell that her, the recording is taken from the movie. But the rest is, like, new. So, you know, that's impressive. But let's go to the... Wi- no, it is very impressive. Yeah. And so let's get to Wish. And so the Wish, we were surprised because, you know, they usually show us, you know, just few scenes here, you know, like, this is one scene and then sometimes later they're going to show another scene, you know, the scene that's take place some some sometime later in the movie and here they surprise us because they show us like 20 minutes of uncut footage you know so yeah which is very surprising considering. yeah like a very big chunk of this uh, movie and so the asha the newest addition in the disney princess line but to be honest she's not a princess in the movie at least yet uh, because she lives in this uh, kingdom of Rosa, which is the kingdom where all the wishes come true, because they have King Magnific- Magnifico, and he gathers all the wishes from around the world, and he grants them. You know, he's like this uh, magical king. And uh, she, obviously in a Disney princess style, when she was little Asha, she had a father, and her father was always taking her to sit on this tree, and he's showing her the wishing st- star, which is apparently meant to be the same star from all the Disney movies. Yeah, that is the weirdest thing about this movie. It's an origin story for this. Yeah, for, for once upon a once you wish upon a star. Yeah, and uh, she made a uh, and he was talking about the power of wishes, why it's important. But because it's a Disney movie, he died obviously. And her, oh, of course, yeah. Absolutely. And now she's living with her mom and her grandfather. And the grandfather, he's really want to make this invention that. Uh, he will be like innova- I'm innovative for the kingdom. Like this is his dream that oh he want to make a wish that make uh, entire changes the life in entire kingdom of Rosa, and uh, to help her because every year the king make like this big ceremony where he chooses somebody and he grants his wish, and so uh, Asha wants to become his apprentice, and uh, there's also a queen and. Again, like they didn't show us from the very beginning, but uh, somehow thanks to the queen, she becomes like the king's apprentice. And 
she's, uh, you know, basically on the first day she asks, like, oh, can you grant my grandfather's wish? And he's like, oh, you know, people usually wait at least a year before they ask me something like this, but okay, okay, let's see it. And he has like this big room, which you could probably see in a trailer where they have all the, all the balls floating around. There are the wishes of people he yeah. taken away because on the ceremony, they basically, they are giving him he, their wishes away to him. And he sees her grandfather's wish and he's like, oh, yeah, this wish can easily backfire. It's actually dangerous and I have to protect the people of Rosa in the first place. So I'm not going to grant that. And she actually re- learned that uh, when he takes away wish from people, they remember they had a wish, but they don't remember what the wish was, so they forget it. They just know they have this wish. And she's like, oh, you know, and he only has like a very small selective group of people he's granting the wishes of. And she's like, oh, you know, maybe it would be a good idea. <coughs> Sorry. Maybe it would be a good idea to... Uh, give the people back their wishes so they will still remember them, so they will still work to have them be made. He's like, no, this is too dangerous, you don't know. And so on the ceremony, uh, you know, her grandfather is like very hopeful, oh, my wish will gonna come true. And sadly, you know, he just picked this random girl from the crowd instead of her grandfather, who was waiting all his life to his wish be granted. And then we have a dinner scene, which is like very similar to the one from Mulan, where he, her grandfather is like very sad that his wishes is that granted, granted, you know, and well, maybe next year. And Asha is like, Oh, grandpa, I have to tell you something. You wish will never come true. Just stop believing in it. It has, you know, it will never happen. And the grandfather gets angry at her. Like, Oh, you know, and she tells her, Oh, the king told me himself that he's not going to grant your wish. And the grandfather is actually even more angry at her. Like, Oh, why did you tell me this? Now I now have, have now nothing to hold for in my life. And, you know, she ran away, she cries, and in a, you know, Disney style, she starts, you know, singing a song, which I really love. I really love the song in this, which is the song from the trailer. But when you hear it in, like, the full, full version, it's, like, really beautiful, and she sings it as yeah. she walks through the forest, and she, likes goes to, like, passing all the different people in the village, and we see their dreams. It's really beautiful. And she finally makes the wish to the star, and, like, in the trailer, the star comes, and it's, like, this little floating a character and uh, it makes all the animals in the forest you know uh, start talking and all the trees come to life and they sing another song which is because she's they start explaining to her oh this is the power of the wishing star and she's like how do you know this and they like uh, they go into this really funny musical number which it's a different type of song but it reminds me fixer upper from frozen just in the type of energy it had like this very crazy song uh, when they, it's called like everybody's a star, something like this, where they think how everybody deserves to have his wishes granted. And at the same time, the king, because the moment the wishing star uh, flows down to the ground, it has like this beam of light go through an entire kingdom. And everybody who is sleeping at this point, like got a smi- gets a smile on their faces. And the king realizes, oh, there is some other power that can grant re- wishes uh, except for me. So I have to find it and destroy it because nothing except for me can have this power to grant wishes. It's like a very King Herod moment, you know, very biblical in the sense I have to find it and destroy it because it's fretting my greatness. Uh, and yeah. so the, so far the movie was, uh, you know, it felt fine. Like it's, like, yeah, it felt like almost bare bone Disney formula in many ways. But at the same time, uh, it's the songs were enjoyable, the characters enjoyable. I really like the color palette they choose because it's not only... Like it's very dominated by blues and uh, purples, you know, very Disney-esque colors, but also 
uh, they really the animation style like i know people some people complaining about it in the trailer but i actually think it works really well it's if you remember the short paperman it's yeah i'm surprised it took so long for them to use yeah. that animation style. and especially the background looks really nice because all the cottages they looks like something from snow white they actually are uh, sleeping beauty so it's really ro- looks effective and I like the character of Asha. I think she was, uh, for the screen time she got, uh, I think she was, uh, so far I've seen with her, she felt like a very fun character. And, uh, mm, and you will finally, ha- we're finally gonna get a Disney movie in a while with a clear villain. So that's, that's a nice change because for a while they were making just all those surprise villains. But I don't know, maybe there will be like a twist because maybe the queen is really the villain. I don't know, you know, because there was something. It's a tricky one because I've I've gone over the trailer comments and a lot of people are actually very excited that the idea of just a straightforward Disney movie because a lot of animation movies and a lot of just movies in general have this, like, uh, it has the, the issue that, uh, not, it doesn't have the issue, but it's something that a lot of people have an, an issue with, which is um, villains that are sympathetic. Like, I'm tired of being sympathetic with a villain. I want to hate the fuck out of them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they try to, so far, give him, like, a sympathetic side. I mean, he's pretending to be nice to her, but they also do something like, oh, you know, because he actually first-handed experience why wishes are dangerous, so this is why he has to, you know, be control of it, so there is something to it, but I don't know, maybe there will be, like, a twist that actually the queen is the villain or something, I, I don't know, but... Uh, but I'd be surprised that happens or anything. But so far, wait, I think he's played by Chris Pine, I think, if I remember. Yes, Chris Pine is King Magnifico. And if you've listened to the Spider-Verse Spidey Bell song, he goes hard on singing. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't show his villain song yet in the footage they show us, but he he felt like a good character. And, you know, I also will add that this movie is, like, full of, like, very, I mean, like, Easter eggs to other Disney movies. And somewhere more subtle, but somewhere like very obvious, like she, the Asha, she has like seven friends and each one of them is like clearly based on one of the seven dwarfs, you know, or. Yeah, I saw an image of that. Somebody posted it. They were able to, po- they were able to pinpoint every single Yeah, one. yeah, they were. I actually only got wrong about one, 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 because the guy I was thinking is based on Happy. He's actually based on Dopey. So my fault, but, oh, okay. <laughs> but the, no, it's, it's obvious. I looked at the image. I'm like, yeah, I would have not gotten that myself. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they, they were like a fun group and, uh, they were also like during the musical number, like, uh, I actually see, hear some early reviews of this uh, presentation. Like, oh, this song reminds, reminds them of, Listen to your heart from Pocahontas because, and I think they got it wrong because they mentioning, I mean, they are confusing people because they are mentioning this song because you have also have like attacking trees in it. They are reminiscing of yeah. Grandmother Willow, but the song is actually like very crazy, very funny, which isn't listen to your heart from Pocahontas, you know, so. Uh, it's just the trees. Yeah. They like talking but, trees. But, they, but um, yeah, that, I'm very excited for this movie. Um, it comes out in November? Yeah, I think so. And it will be like again, like a movie made for the hundredth anniversary of Disney, so that's great. Like, uh, uh, like a, I think it, is is that is that the, is November the time frame? For I it? think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, this year in general is like the hundredth anniversary, but is it is it the, uh, the exact anniversary, like the month that Disney opened? I'm not sure. Well, when it opened, according to the internet, at least it was it was back in June. Oh. But um, actually, well, no, that's that's the actual studio itself. Movie wise, is probably. Is probably what it's actually. About. I mean, look, 
The problem is I don't have enough time. To I've been locked. Disney, if you follow their history, they always go through this period, like, you know, after the Disney Renaissance in the 90s, they have to take a break from just doing, you know, Disney formula movies and they have to go to stuff like to Atlantis, you know, and Treasure Planet because, you know, at the time people were like catching up with all the Disney formula stuff, like making fun of it. Okay, so apparently the actual time is on October. Ah. Okay. October 16th. For this movie, yeah? Well, the movie comes out in the next month after that, but mm -hmm. I... I think it's one of those things they probably just didn't think they had enough time to finish it by then. Yeah. And, uh, as, but they celebrate all year long, like you said. Yeah. So, so, but what I'm saying is that, yeah, like Disney again now, uh, they had a break from the traditional Disney movies. Then they, you know, uh, return with like stuff like Princess and the Frog and Rapunz, uh, sorry, Tangled and uh, Frozen. And now that again, it felt like it was like a break from those. And now we are going back to this formula, which I'm happy, you know? Yeah. This is, yeah, of course. And I'm very glad that Disney is um, they're going back to the roots in, in such an interesting way. And especially with that new animation style, as I mentioned, I'm amazed it took them that long to use that. Um, but we, um, we're we we're pretty much uh, at the yeah. end here. Uh, Machak, do you have anything you want to plug before we well, go? Well, you know, you you can buy my book, Delicious. It's on Amazon. It's uh, in Walmart and some other places. It's a series. Of, They're very affordable, by the yeah, way. It's, uh, it's, uh, we are now finishing the fourth book. The third, third book is now out. So uh, we are happy with this series. We also have like additional merchandising, like merch and... Uh, uh, pillows and stuff like this with those characters so check it out delicious and also uh, as part english speaking of my stuff is on uh, netflix the show kaiko and kokosh will be gonna having another season soon so uh, check it out kaiko and kokosh actually there is a review on one of us that net for that so i am also happy and yes and i'm hoping to review whatever the new ones oh, will be as well thank you and anything you want to mention uh, no, you can always find us here at oneofus.net for any of our newest reviews. And uh, that's the end of our infestation coverage of the NSC Film Animation Film Festival this year. Yeah. Um, you guys have a good rest of your time and uh, enjoy Disney's 100th anniversary. Bye.